to uh, Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs chapter 25 will be here in just a second. While you're turning there, somebody called me before church and told me that the, uh, I guess today or sometime over the weekend or something, I guess maybe at church this morning, I don't know, or at their church building, whatever you want to call it, the Pope today forgave the Jews for crucifying Jesus. That's what I said. I said, Amen. Oh, I'm glad. Last time I checked, the Jews was just hollering, them Romans is the one that crucified him. Uh, yeah. I might write him a letter and tell him he ought to think about getting forgiveness himself before he begins to forgive other folks. Be nice to be saved before you start granting forgiveness from God. Little fella standing around in a Halloween costume. Full grown man. (laughs) Wearing a little grape on his head, walking around forgiving folks. Never been forgiven. Never been born again. He said, Brother Mike, you're judging. No, the Word of God judges it. The Bible says you must be born again. There ain't a church on the face of the earth that can save you. Amen. Not one. This church right here is worthless as far as saving. Now, I can show you how to be saved. But who can forgive sins but God only? That was the Pharisees' argument to Jesus Christ. They said, God's the only one that can forgive sins. And Jesus said, that's what I was doing. (laughs) That's what I was doing. Well, I trust you got your place by now. Proverbs chapter 25, that's... uh, I don't guess we have a weekly uh, kick against the Pope, but we might could start one. I could think of something to say every week, I think, maybe. Um, But that's not necessarily all we really need to do is preach the gospel, and the Lord will take care of what needs to be taken care of. Proverbs chapter 25, and I want to read uh, one or two verses here to you in verse 11. And I want to preach to you tonight about the best words in the Bible. The best words in the Bible. And uh, Proverbs 25 says, uh, now, uh, now this is my sermon. You could preach probably your own sermon about what you think the best words in the Bible are. And uh, probably uh, what they mean to you is none of my business. But these are the words that I'm going to talk to you about tonight. These are some things that I thought you would be, uh, uh, you would be uh, very wise to take heed to and and uh, maybe uh, we might, before the end of the service, think, well, there's nobody here that needs these words, but I guarantee you there is. I guarantee you there is. Well, without explaining myself before I preach, let me go ahead and read you the, the verses here, and then we'll get on with the message, and I'll let you see for yourself. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 11. It says, A word, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. You ever seen a pretty picture? We was talking about that this morning, the fine arts. Uh, something just drawn just to perfection. Well, the Bible says a word, it didn't say a word spoken. It says a word fitly spoken. A word just at the right time. A word said just the right way. It says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover. Upon an obedient ear. Let me read it one more time. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Heavenly Father, I pray, dear God, you'd exalt your word tonight. You've magnified it above your name. 
Uh, that's a fact that we know, dear God, we know that you put a high uh, precedent upon your word, dear God. We know that you put your a high priority, I should say, on your word. God, I pray you'd speak to my heart tonight, dear God. I pray you'd move in this place, dear God, and help me to preach, dear God. Help these to listen. God, I pray you do a work in, in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, I can see you doing it week by week. I can see, uh, Lord, the, the Holy Spirit moving and working in hearts and in lives. I pray you continue that work, dear God. A, a very simple message tonight, God. A very simple message, but one that's very needful, dear God. We need, dear God, to be mindful of these things. And I thank you and praise you for what you do. In Christ's name, I pray it. Amen. Amen. Now, a word fitly spoken, a word rightly spoken. You say, how could you say something right and it be the wrong time? Well, there's a lot of things we could go into on that. But let's turn over right quick before we get into the sermon. And let's look in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 says this. Ecclesiastes 5 says this. Keep thy foot. When thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear. Now what's the opposite of hearing, I guess? Speaking. It says, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of what? Fools. The sacrifice of fools is untimely words. Untimely words. He said, uh, he said, uh, and be ready, uh, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do evil. Now, Here's the clincher. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. In other words, what he's saying is, do your best. Do your absolute best. Now that tongue needs a bridle, does it not? But the Bible says, do your absolute best to say the right thing at the right time. Old David over there in the Psalms, he said, I I hushed my mouth. He said, I withheld my mouth. He said, I I, I held my tongue even from good. I held my tongue even from good. But he said, after a while, it burned in me. It usually burned about the right time. He said, after a while, it burned in me. And then I spoke. But listen, the Bible says a, a word fitly spoken, a word rightly spoken, a word spoken at the right time, do a lot of good. It'll do a lot of good. It'll add something to you. It'll it'll have the right power. It'll have the right it'll have the right flavor. Uh, it, it'll be easily entreated. Sometimes you know the right thing to say and you know the right person to say it to, but it just can't get the peace to go and say something to them. And then all of a sudden one day the time will be right and it'll come out uh, like flowing water. You'll be able to say whatever you're supposed to say to them. Well, I want to talk to you tonight about some fit words, about some good words. And I want to talk to you about some of the words. And I guess if I studied a little bit longer, I could find a whole lot more words to add to it than this. But I think these three words that I'm going to talk with you tonight will be uh, just about what we need to hear tonight. And uh, turn on over with me to John chapter 8. I want to get into the New Testament a little bit and uh, find some words that are very needful. Very needful in the day and time that we live in. And uh, look in John chapter number 8 and John chapter number 8. This is, uh, this is the story of how uh, when those uh, Pharisees and those scribes brought a woman to Jesus that was taken in adultery. And they set, him, set her right there in the midst of a great circle, I guess, and all gathered around her. In verse 4 it says, They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. 
It says, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Now they're dealing with dangerous ground. That law. That law, buddy. You know, uh, I see these people and I hear people all the time talking about, well, i got to keep the law. And i got, boy, that's dangerous ground. When you're talking about keeping the law, you're not talking about ten little commandments that you can't keep anyway. You're talking about a whole host of things that's contained in that law. Did you know the sacrifices are contained in the law? Yeah. You uh, get to where you think you might want to be keeping the law, you better go invest in you a sheep farm or something. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff involved in that law. But he says, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what says that? You know, they didn't mention nothing here about uh, a false witness, did they? <laughs> we can always pick out what's wrong in somebody else's life, but we forget part of the law when we begin to judge one another. They said, Lord, this woman was found in the very act. But you know they was false witnesses because they didn't bring the fella. That's right. Yeah. One of them fellas might have been the fella. Never can tell. It says, They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Now they're trying to tempt him. This they said, tempting him, that they might have, a, have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Let me give you something about Jesus Christ that you never had thought about. When you're in the presence of Jesus Christ, though He be the Savior, though He be the Lord of all, though He be uh, the perfect picture of mercy and grace, when you're standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, The closer you stand to Him, the closer you stand to judgment. Jesus Christ rose up from the ground where He was right and He said, the one that hasn't sinned, go ahead and throw some rocks at her. And they would have been justified. Had one of those men been worthy to pick up a stone and throw at her, had they been bringing an accurate and a just witness against that woman, they could have thrown rocks at her till she was dead. And Jesus would not have said one thing. Because why? Because the law required her death. But after a few minutes, those fellas all walked away and Jesus said, Has no man condemned you? She said, No, sir. No, sir. He said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go, but not go, period. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Let's look at verse 9 and we'll find one of our words here. And it says, They which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. I think that first word we need to pay attention tonight is convicted. Convicted. You may not know it. You may not even have fond memories of that verb, of that word. But that's a good word. That's a great word. That's the beginning of redemption right there. Convicted. Now these men, I find that in several places in the Bible, men had the right reaction. Men had the right effect from the Word of God, but had the wrong reaction. They had the right effect, 
But they had the wrong reaction. In the book of Acts, Stephen's over there preaching. He's coming down through there preaching about the fathers and preaching about Jesus Christ. And at the end, the Bible says they was cut to the heart. That's the right effect. But it says they took up stones to stone him. That's the wrong reaction. Here, I don't know what Jesus Christ got down and wrote on the ground. There's been a lot of, a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of folks guess about what he was writing on the ground, and I'm not even going to make a guess at it. But I know one thing: the Holy Spirit was working in the midst because those men got convicted. Those men got convicted, but they had the wrong reaction. They began to walk on out. Seemed like they had just got down on their knees and say, "You're right, and we're wrong." But you know what? Them fellas walked off trying to find some other way to catch him. They they did it his whole ministry. We gotta find a way to trip him up in his words. We gotta find a way to catch him up in his words. You can't do that though. You're not gonna outsmart the Lord. It says, they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. Listen, what we need in this day and time is conviction. We need conviction. Uh, not only do we need conviction for salvation, but we need conviction in our Christian life. Turn over to, uh, I believe it's John chapter, uh, John chapter number 16. John chapter number 16. John chapter number 16 and verse number 7 it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And so we go back up to verse number 8 and it says, He will reprove the world. You know what the word reprove means? The word reprove means to blame. It means to blame. It means to stand flat-footed in front of you and point the finger in the face and say, Thou art the man. That's what the prophet came in before David and said, Hey, you're the man. You're the one that troubles Israel. You're the one. You're the one. And that's what we've got away from. We've got away from old-fashioned conviction. I'm talking about the church as a whole. I'm talking about this little church. I'm talking about in this modern day, the Bible calls this modern day that we live in a falling away. There's no question about that. There's no doubt in my mind that we're living right smack dab in a falling away. We are in Revelation chapter 3 as far as I'm concerned and you'd be hard pressed to change my mind from that. Be hard pressed to change my mind from that. But even in Revelation chapter 3, there's a remedy. There's a remedy. There's a Holy Spirit that's still at work. And one of the best words that we could think about that we could go home to our houses tonight and chew on, one of the very best words that you could, uh, that you could uh, take up tonight for your consideration is the word conviction. And most of us could say, uh, without any contradiction whatsoever, that I need, I need to be more convicted day after day after day. I need reproof in my life. I need the Holy Spirit to get in my heart and get in my life and just start stirring around and working around and moving me and changing me and convicting me and just, uh, just uh, put me through the ringer, for a lack of a better word. You ever seen them old washboards, them big old... Uh, Bumpity, bumpity, bumpity things with the big old uh, uh, hand wheel at one end, the two big rollers, and you take them close and you put it in those rollers. Squeeze them out. 
And it wrings the water out and then it comes through the other side you hang them up to dry. I guess that's what, that's what they call being run through the wringer. That's what we need. That's what we need. We need the Lord's special attention. Although most of the time we don't want the Lord's special attention. And I find that the Lord, I know He can do a lot of things. I know He can do uh, seven or eight different things in our life if we could keep up with Him. But most of the time we we can't focus on more than one thing at a time. So the Lord will get in one area of our life and He'll just start... And you say, well, Lord, I was really trying to work on this thing over here. I was trying to get this thing over here situated. And the Lord said, but I think you need to. And he'll just hammer on it. And hammer on it. And hammer on it. You ever put the old theory to a test that if you banged on a rock long enough with a hammer, that that the rock would eventually break no matter how hard you hit it? That's what I heard when a boy, when I was a boy, when I was a boy, they told me if you take a hammer and hit on a rock and just you can hit on it easy or hard, but after a while you just keep hitting and it'll break. Well, if you do it too easy, you'll be there till kingdom come, and you, you you might not be able to prove the theory. But I know this: I've seen the Holy Spirit take a hammer, the hammer of the Word of God, and just constantly. Knocking on the door of your heart. Just constantly tapping on that sin. Constantly tapping on that thing that we need to get rid of in our life. And after a while, it'll either break or you'll be broken. One of the two. One of the two. He said He'll reprove the world. The Holy Spirit's job is to blame. And listen, if the Holy Spirit's never done this work in your life, you're not saved. The Lord comes to us as a sinner, as a lost person, whether it be man or woman or boy or girl, and the Lord begins to work on hearts. He, he works conviction, first of all. And I don't, have any, I don't have any problem using the word conviction. I use that word and that's just as well as being convicted, uh, convinced. That's just as well as being reproved. I mean, He gets in your face and He blames you. 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 And He, you, and he opens the Word of God and proves it. And the judge of all the universe says, guilty. You say, what is that? Convicted. 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 Listen to what what, uh, David says. Let's turn over to Hebrews. We could turn to Acts, but let's turn to Hebrews and see what David says about the matter. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6 says, But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me, and saw my works forty years. Verse 7 is the verse I wanted you to see. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Harden it against what? The reproof. The reproof. The blame. First, uh, Second Timothy chapter 3.16 says that the Word of God is profitable for doctrine. But not just for doctrine, it says for reproof. And that reproof is the same word as reprove. It's to blame. People talking about, you know, coming in and building up one another's mind and having a psychological ministry and all that stuff. We're not here to be psychologists. Amen. We're not here to be psychologists. Yeah. We're here right. to, 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 to take our blame. <laughs> we're here to take our blame. I thank God that we're not here to get our just desserts. Amen. 
Now, if you're talking about banana pudding, that's one thing. <laughs> but if you're talking about getting what we deserve, yeah. we're not here to get that. We're not here to get that. If, if at all possible, we'll find a way to get out of that. Won't we? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Looking for a way to get out of judgment. That can be rightly said about every one of us. You say, why? Why would we try to be getting out of judgment? Because our heart's been convicted about a thing. Our heart's been convinced about a thing. Well, let's look in Acts chapter 11 now. Acts chapter 11. Now this, what I'm describing to you, these three words that I'm describing to you tonight, is the work of the Holy Spirit in every man's life. If he'll, if he'll be willing and obedient, if he'll have the faith that, he, uh, that, that it takes to, uh, to be born again, this is, uh, this is the work that's done in every man's life. I hope this work has been done in your life. If not, I'd be getting saved tonight. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And let's start reading in uh, verse 15. It says, As I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that He said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as He did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? I like that verse. What was I that I could withstand God? God said, get up and go to church. Who was I that I could withstand God? God said, get on your face and pray today. Who was I that I could withstand God? God said, get down and read your scripture today. Read it, read it, read it, read it. Who was I that I could withstand God? God said, go tell your neighbor about Jesus today. Who was I that I could withstand God? Who was I? Who am I anyway? Who was I that I could withstand God? Verse 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, this is good news right here. Then hath God also to the Gentiles regranted, uh, granted repentance unto life. That first word that I thought was good that you ought to familiarize yourself with was convicted. That second one is repentance. Repentance. And the Christian church or the so-called Christian church today is insufficient in the area of repentance. The conviction part and the repentance part is the offensive part. In a few minutes, I'll go ahead and give you what we're getting to thirdly. The third word that you ought to consider and the third word that you ought to familiarize yourself with is salvation. I'll go ahead and give you that. But before you can get to salvation, you need uh, conviction. And you need repentance. No conviction, no repentance... No salvation. None. Oh, but Jesus loves. Yes, Jesus loves, but no conviction, no repentance, no salvation. You know, some of us have never been, not some of us, said that wrong. Maybe some of you, I don't know. But there's a lot of folks out there in the world that's never been convicted and never repented because they ain't never done nothing wrong yet. I'm talking about that's the way their own mind sees it. That's why they need the conviction. That's why they need the Holy Spirit to get in their face and say, You're wrong! And and say it just like that. I'm not talking about getting over there with you and saying, Now perhaps you you might want to think about maybe repenting of your sin. No, sir. If that voice were to come along and begin to speak with you like that, you'd say, Run along. 
I remember one time going to the subway here in town. I don't know who he was. I don't even care who he was. Little red-headed boy, about queer as a $3 bill standing in there. And he said, can I take your order? I said, I don't know if you can or not. (laughs) Yes! I don't know if he can or not. The Lord Jesus Christ is not a sissy. He's not the brown-headed, long-haired reprobate that they portray him to be on TV. That's not him. When you start dealing with the Holy Spirit, when you start dealing with the Son of God, you're going to be dealing with a man. And that man will walk up and grab you by the lapels and jerk you up real good and say, You need to get right with me. And he'll say, If you don't get right with me, I'll take you to the woodshed. As many as he loves, he rebukes and chastens them, right? He takes them to the woodshed. Yes, he does. That might be good for some of these young folks. Mamas and daddies. Take them once in a while. Make a man out of them. That little lady y'all seen sitting in here this morning, she beat the fool out of me. (laughs) On more than one occasion. I I always make my girls laugh because I tell them about how my daddy used to give us a whooping. I mean, my mama was rough. (laughs) Buddy, she would roll them pants legs up and go out to the crab apple tree. But he had a 30 minute trip. I had to get the right one, mama. <laughs> 30 minutes, you'll cool off a little bit. You learn to take your time when you have to go get your own switches. Sometimes that adds to the beating. But my daddy felt a little bit sorry for us sometimes. He'd take us in the side room and he'd say, holler. And he'd beat his own leg. <laughs> now go to your room. Save us from a lot of anguish. Uh, there's judgment and then there's mercy. <laughs> there's two more words. We just throw them in there for free. Judgment and mercy. But what we're talking about right now is conviction and repentance. We need it. We need it. We live in a desperate hour. We live in a desperate hour. The Bible says in that verse we just read in Acts chapter 11 that God granted the Gentiles repentance. He never had to do that. Never had to do that. God chose His own people and He would have been justified. Think about that word for a little bit. He would have been justified to just let us fall into hell. Justified. But the Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Turn over to Acts chapter 3. Turn over to Acts chapter 3. Let's see this again. Acts chapter 3. Talking about repentance. Verse number number 16. It says, His name, through faith in His name. Talking about Jesus Christ. No question about that. Uh, And His name, through faith in His name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by Him hath given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. That's what Jesus does. He gives you a perfect soundness. And verse 17, it says, Now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. You remember turning, turning him away? You remember when he came by to work that reproof in you, that conviction in you, and he began to speak with you now? Son, you need to get this thing right. Now, son, you need to get this thing right. 
You remember the ignorance that first showed its head the first time you heard the gospel? Uh, if you're like most people, I mean, I know there's exceptions to every rule, but most of the time, because Jesus Christ is a rock of offense, because Jesus Christ, the, the holiness of Christ, and the perfection of the law, once presented to, to us poor sinners, we usually, nine times out of ten, balk at it. What? What? That's why the Bible says it's good to suffer little children to come to Him because they seem to receive things like that. A little better than we do. Uh, talking about grown-ups, that is. But he says, This perfect soundness uh, in the presence of y'all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all His prophets, of that Christ should suffer, He hath so fulfilled. The suffering for sin has been fulfilled. Some of you folks are suffering for sins yet. Some of you went through the convicting stage and went through the repentance stage and went through the salvation stage, yet I wish I'd have never done that. Well, I wish you wouldn't have done it either, but it's forgiven. There's a difference in reminiscing. There's a difference between suffering wrongfully and learning your lessons. You can learn your lessons from the things that you've done in the past, but you can also learn the lesson that you've been forgiven. And you can leave that stuff where it belongs in the past. That's another free sermon. There's another free thought for you. He said that Christ should suffer, He hath so fulfilled. Verse 19, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Listen, repent ye therefore, and be converted. No repentance, no conversion. No repentance, no conversion. Repentance is a big step towards God. Yes, sir. Repentance is a great step toward God. I want you sometime to go in your own time and, and look up the word repentance in your Bible and study that way all the way through. God gives us the best example of it. He says, Moses, you step aside. I'm going to swat this people like a bug and sweep them out of my sight. And I'll make out of you a great nation. And Moses said, don't do that, Lord. Boy, that takes a heart right there. God said, I'll get rid of all these reprobates and I'll make something special out of you. Most of us would say, yeah. You want me to help you? God, I'll help you get them if you want me to. But Moses said, Lord, don't do that. If you do that, them folks down there in, in, in Egypt, they'll say you brought them out here just to kill them. And you know what the Bible says? It said God repented of the evil He thought to do to them. I find that repeated all through the Bible. I was just reading it in the book of Jeremiah the other day. He said, if I pronounce judgment against a nation, and that nation will turn to God, and it will turn to me, and it will do the right thing, He said, I'll repent of the evil. Can I make that right down in layman's term for you? He'll change his mind. There was a time in this earth, Brother Pedro, when you thought you was the best man in the world. There was a time when every one of us men and every one of us women thought we was just fine the way we was. Everything just fine. And then one day the Holy Spirit showed up. And said, let me introduce you to a few precepts you might not have thought of. (laughs) 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. How are you doing? Well, not as good as I was five minutes ago. And he said, I believe I can, I believe I can get you with this. He says, uh, don't covet your neighbor's good. Not his wife. Not his ox. None of it. Don't covet nothing he's got. So, begin to weigh on you a little bit. See, you thought you was a pretty good fella. But after the Lord starts laying this stuff on you and the Holy Spirit starts revealing to you what the law says, the Bible says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And the weight of that thing begins to bear down on us. Now, as a lost person, it's easy to carry the weight of our own convictions. Our own convictions could change from day to day as the need arises. Well, I'm going to be a good man to my neighbor. But if a neighbor leaves that lawnmower out two or three more times, it's going to be my. That's going to be my lawnmower. You see what I mean? We make our own convictions. They're pretty easy to handle. We can get rid of one and incorporate another and whatever the case may be. Well, I might have stole, but I, I still got my uh, clean criminal record until the police comes pick you up for stealing and then you got to readjust your position again. You go talk to the fellas down in prison today. Oh, I'm innocent. You say, what's the problem? They're, they're living by their own standards. They're innocent. But the Holy Spirit comes by and begins to read this long list of laws to you. Ordinances that you can't escape. And if He wants to get you real good, He'll say, oh, you're not supposed to be eating no pork. <laughs> Brother Mike preaching on eating pork. Well, I know, what, I know what day and age we live in. I know what we can do. But the Bible says in the law you ain't supposed to eat it. If it don't split the hoof and chew the cud, you can't eat it. Old ham biscuit don't, don't do both of those things. It's unclean. God, help us. Thank God for Jesus dying on the cross. <laughs> I thank God for that. But listen, if you'll sit down in the presence of the Holy Spirit a little while, you know what He'll do? He'll change your mind. Maybe I ain't so good. Invariably, the first thing that I'll get the response, the first response I'll get is, I ain't never killed nobody. And the Lord will slip up beside you and say, if you hate your brother, you done killed him. You done murdered him. Just if you hate him. And after a while, you'll be hiding, trying to find a place. <laughs> stop! 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 I've had enough. Now you say, why, are you, why, are you, why would you preach a message like this? Because today, in this day and time, we've and I believe, I believe it's easy to get saved. I really do. I do. I believe in easy believism. But if you want to take it to the point where you say, well, anybody in this room would want to go to heaven, come on down here and get on your knees. Ain't you ever sinned before? Ain't you ever took a drink of beer? Listen, you don't go to hell for drinking beer. Right. <laughs> I, think, I think when I was getting saved as a young man, on the on the uh, on the steps over here, I think what the fellow said to me was, uh, "Have you ever told a lie?" I said, "Oh yeah." <laughs> uh, when I was a little boy, I was a champion at telling lies. <laughs> you remember those whoopings I told you about? Listen, at some point, a man will do anything to get out of one of those. <laughs> you come up with some doozies. I tell you what. 
Uh, I, matter of fact, I got my bigger brother into a couple of my whoopings just by telling a couple of lies. But that fella said, uh, y'all did too. <laughs> y'all did too. Uh, but that fella said, uh, you ever told a lie? I said, sure, yeah, I told a lie. Hey, but he didn't have to sit down there and convince me. I knew before I got there I was a sinner. I knew there, there, would have, there had already been a, a work done in my heart that convinced me. Before I even got up, I knew. I knew where I was headed. And that just as a little boy, I didn't understand a lot, but I knew I was headed for something better. I remember it like it was yesterday. Getting up and walking. I remember the walk. I remember getting. I remember the hug I got after I got saved. I remember that stuff. You say why? Because that's a memorable moment. That's a memorable moment. But listen, there's been too many conversions where we say, "Won't you just come on down here and accept Christ? Just come down here. Ain't you ever sinned? Sure, I've sinned." And had folks turn around, and walk back, unconverted, unconvicted. Wouldn't you like to go to heaven? Sure. Well, say this prayer. Don't you know I'm a sinner? Don't you know you're a sinner? Oh, yeah. Which means they might have cheated on their income tax or something. Well, listen, if you cheated on your income tax or drank a beer or smoked some kind of drug or something like that or listened to bad music, that's just a symptom of the greater problem, and that is you are a sinner. At one point in time you said, I'm a great person, and the Lord moved into your heart and life and said, you ain't such a great fellow. The things that you sin outwardly, you could uh, you could just quit doing all those and and pick a different set of sins and pick some different sets of sins and you could change them every week. But those things ain't the things that needs to be repented of. The fact that needs to be repented of is you are a sinner. You sin because you are a sinner. And so the fundamental uh, uh, the fundamental thing that we need to see is this: is that we need conviction and we need repentance. Repentance of what? Drinking a beer? No, sir. Repentance because there's something inside of you that made you drink it. That made you tell the lie. That made you listen to the th- stuff that promotes uh, rebellion and, and death and, and all sorts of immorality and stuff like that. You see, the things that we send, the things that manifest outwardly, that's just the symptoms. Right. Do you think you could get to heaven if you never drank? If you never drink, there's still something in there that wants you to drink. Right. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. You see, we oftentimes preach against the symptoms, and I think we ought to preach against the symptoms, but you're not going to get over the symptoms till you treat the cause. Amen. You can drink NyQuil and get rid of a headache and a runny nose and a sore throat and the inability to sleep. But when you wake up in the morning, you're still going to be sick. Conviction and repentance goes to the heart of the matter. It goes to the heart of the matter. And when it goes to the heart of the matter, the, uh, listen, uh, a change occurs. When you're convicted, a change of mind occurs. And he says in Acts chapter 3, he says, Repent ye therefore and be converted. When your repentance uh, comes full circle, the Bible says you'll be converted. So after you've changed something, and that work is done by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. The Lord steps in and He does a change. Right. Amen. And that's called a conversion. There's Christians that's teetering right on the edge of wickedness. And I believe they're Christians in name only. And the fact is they've never been converted. Never been converted. Oh, just come on down here. Don't you want to go to heaven? Yes, okay. Ask the Lord to come into your heart. Okay. No, sir. There must be a conviction. 
Because without that conviction, without that repentance, uh, you've not realized the, 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 the real need that was met when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. Real quickly now, turn with me to Romans. Romans chapter 10. Conviction, repentance, salvation. I don't know about you, but Romans chapter 10 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, chapters in the Bible, I should say. Romans chapter 10. Verse number 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. And don't say working on a building. <laughs> I had a lady not too long ago say, we're all working to get to the same place. I said, I quit working a long time ago. I laid down all the hammers and all the nails and laid down the ladders and I laid all that stuff aside. When I got down on my knees as a little boy, I got born again and the work was over. As a matter of fact, the work was over when the Lord said, it is finished. It was over right there. All I had to do was realize what kind of shape I was in. Be convinced. Right. Be convicted. And let God do the rest. Amen. Let God do the rest. He said, uh, I better stay on track here. I'm trying to cover this stuff quickly. He said, that If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Amen. Listen, if you've got enough conviction and enough repentance in your heart, you don't have no problem whatsoever. Getting down on the knee. I never will forget going to see old Bobby McInvale. And I'd go see him just about every Saturday. And I'd go talk to him and I could see God working in his heart. Sometimes you go talk to folks, man, woman, boy, girl, just don't matter. And you see that blank look on their face. And you say, the Lord is not working. The Lord is not working. But I'd go over there and I'd talk to Brother Bobby. And I can call him brother now because he got saved. But I remember one day, I remember the, uh, one of the last times I went by to see him and I was t- sitting at his kitchen table with him, his dining room table rather. And as I talked to him and was witnessing to him, he got closer and closer to the table. And as I was witnessing to him there, his nose got about two inches from the table. And his face turned red. He said, I ain't ready to be saved. He said, but I promise you this. I'll come to church soon. I'll get saved. And boy, when I left, I thought that's a dangerous moment. That's a dangerous moment. That's a dangerous moment. That's that's right in between salvation and a hardening of the heart. Well, Easter Sunday, one one Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, he come in, sat back there, just about where Sister Linda's sitting right now, and preached, and probably didn't do much good, but the Holy Spirit was there, present and working. And there I began to give the invitation and I was feeling a little bit down. I never will forget that day. Never will forget it. As long as I live. And I happened to look over here just like this. And up come Bobby. Come down the aisle. Hard man. Hard life. And his little son-in-law following him down the aisle. And Bobby come down here and I got to take both of them men back there. And led them both to the Lord back there in that office. One come out a changed man. I don't know about the other fella. That other fella didn't stick. And I'm not saying he's not saved, but I know this. 
A real work will have real results. A real work will have real results. A man who has repentance, a real change of heart, a real change of mind is changed for the rest of his life. You may fall back a little bit and try to live your old life, but the Lord will whip your britches. Yes, He will. Yes, He will. The Lord has a way of getting in touch with His own children. He certainly does. He got saved. You say, what happened, Brother Mike? He got saved. He got born again. Something happened that changed his life. Something happened that converted his life into what he was before and to what he was up until the day that he died. You say, what was it? It was a conversion. It was a conversion, a sound conversion. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now look at this verse. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now there's your easy believism. Easy believism takes place after conviction and repentance. Once the Lord's got you convicted that you need Him, oh, it's just as easy as... Lord! I believe that'll do it. It says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. It didn't say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe I'm a sinner, and I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you're the Trinity, and I believe you uh, eternal security, and I believe... No! Remember I was telling you in Sunday school this morning about that fellow, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But I know whereas I was blind, now I see. You don't have to understand a great theological discourse. You have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. You have to be convinced that you're a sinner. You have to say, boy, I wish I wasn't a sinner. That's repentance. You know, after I've been saved, I've been saved now a pretty good while, and I still walk around sometimes thinking, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And sometimes I say, boy, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have thought that. I wish I hadn't have said that. You ever find yourself in a condition like that? Amen. Sometimes I walk around and I say, I wish I weren't no sinner. And the Lord will tap me on the shoulder and say, but you're a sinner saved by grace. Amen. You're a sinner saved by grace. You was lost, but no more. You was doomed, but no more. You was without hope, but no more. Hell bound, but no more. You've been rescued, delivered, redeemed, justified, predestinated. I ain't afraid of that word. No, sir. When you got saved, the Lord took you and put you in a little package. Ephesians chapter 1 says, sealed unto the day of redemption. And He sealed that thing up real nice and put His stamp of approval on it and said, Son of God. Amen. And your destination... Your destination is predetermined. Therefore, you are predestinated in Christ Jesus. You're going to be conformed to the image of His Son. As sinful as I am, as much as I regret that fact, as many failures as come in my life, as many sorrows that come in my life as a result of my own decisions, one of these days I'm going to be conformed to the image of His Son. Why is that? Because I'm saved. Because God saved my soul. Lost, but no more. Doomed, but no more. Without hope, but no more. Hell bound, but no more. Heavenly Father, we thank You tonight for Your goodness, for Your mercy.
God, I thank you tonight for your word. God, the Bible says a word that's fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. God, I pray you'd take these words and I pray you'd paint the picture of salvation in our hearts. Give us peace, dear God. Give us peace, Lord. If there be one here tonight that's doubting, I pray you'd make sure, dear God. Help them to make sure. God, if there be one here that's lost, and Lord, I probably, I think maybe not, but Lord, you know you ordered up the sermon. You knew who would be here beforehand. God, I pray you'd save one that's lost if they are lost. God, maybe it's just a Sunday school lesson, a refresher course for Christians. I don't know, but I pray you'd have your perfect work. I pray you do according to your own will. And I'll thank you and praise you, dear God. Thank you for these great words. Thank you, dear God, for working repentance in my heart. Thank you, dear God, for sending the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, you call Him. Dear God, to come and speak to my heart. And, and really and truly, though I was a sinner, dear God, though I was in, the, in, 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 the, in my despicableness, God, though I had no hope, dear God, the Holy Spirit truly was a Comforter because He said I was lost. But I could have hope. Lord, I thank you for that. What comforting words that is. What comfort, what a comforting doctrine that is, dear God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, dear God, for caring enough about us to die on the cross to provide this great salvation. We thank you and praise you, dear God, for what you've done, for what you'll continue to do. Bless us as we go to our homes, dear God. Speak with our hearts, God. If there be one here that's lost, God, I pray you'd work in their hearts and lives. And I'll thank you, God, for what you do. In Christ's name I pray it. Amen. Amen. All right. You are dismissed. You are dismissed.